0: me on the podcast sharing a song with something to say about it with familiar and I Grammoon losing my opinion.
1: You know what's crazy is I have like I got a call from a college student who was like I grew up on your music and I was like whoa. You're
2: a legacy act. <laughs> yeah, you got a legacy act. You're going to be doing the circuit uh, over in Vegas one of these it's days. Passionate,
3: objective, Joker fan, uh, legacy <laughs> recordings, yeah.
2: Well, I got two Matts in the chat this week. That's my favorite Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> Matts in chat. This is, of course, the venerable music is it? podcast, Losing My Opinion, <laughs> where we, I want to bring this back and start saying it more often. We surprise each other. Yeah. <gasps> With hot takes, unusual opinions, uh, sometimes arguments we want to make. The other person has no idea what to expect. We're all going in blind here. I am perpetually distracted indie artist Niagara Moon, a.k.a. Thomas Irwin.
3: I'm perpetually surprised indie artist Thin Lear, (gasps) a.k.a. Matt Longo. It's funny, we talk about surprising each other. Like, the original conceit of this podcast was, like, hot takes, and we're going to shock one another. And then for our first, like, 15 episodes, we just came in and agreed with Yeah, each that's other. my
2: ping-a-toe. Yes, I <laughs> yeah, agree oh, with that. Yeah,
3: that's just... a great record. All right. Well, we'll see you next week, folks. Uh, thankfully, we have moved further apart.
2: And uh, we got a great guest, a return guest, a very special man here, writer of over... 23,000 songs?
1: Is that the most uh, up-to-date number? Uh, 2,000 songs ago it was. Okay. <laughs>
2: 20, 25,000 songs released, mind you. Uh, a prolific filmmaker, the inventor of the Moturn method, the pride of Spotify. We got Matt Farley back on. <laughs> I see Matt?
3: Spotify.
2: I don't know if they look <laughs> at him like that, but yes. Yeah.
3: I <laughs> like, wonder, God damn, how
1: much we got to pay out to this guy? The scourge the of Spotify. They're changing the rules just to uh, deal with me, so, um, so <laughs> that's fine. But yeah, life is good here, and it's a huge honor to be back just talking music. You know, it's like music's great, and it's fun to talk about it, and I love podcasts like yours, so you're doing important work.
3: Thank you. There's somebody out there that feels that way, and I'm glad that we have it on record. So, so Matt, I have two things I wanted to talk to you about. One the second I read the Spotify news about how that, I don't want to get too uh, into the inside baseball here. Industry talk. The second I read that stuff about how they're sort of nickel and diming people for like a certain number of plays or whatever, I thought about you for a moment, yeah. like within that, because I know you have this like wide network. It's like, more, it's a concept <laughs> here. Like, is that at all going to affect how you do things or is it sort of irrelevant?
1: So for anyone who doesn't know, it's the it, Spotify apparently is not going to pay um royalties un, until your song has 1000 streams within a year. Um and so for sure that'll affect me to some degree, but I th- I think it's called the 80/20 rule where 80% of your income comes from 20% of your output. Um don't, you know, don't quote me on that, but I think that sort of applies to me where like it's really the top 20% of my songs that are making like 80% of my money. and, and, and those songs are, are definitely getting more than a thousand uh, in a year. And so I think I'll be okay. And the payout, presumably is going to be a little higher because of the money they're not giving to the people under a1,000 is going to be redistributed <laughs> upward. <laughs> uh, it's all it's a, the a, redistribution, a redistribution. <laughs> <laughs> to, to the to the it's rich people. It's all coming up,
3: Farley. <laughs> redistribution, yes. Uh.
1: And um, so I th- I think I'll be okay, but I I don't like study my numbers that closely. It's I mean it's hard to keep to write this many songs and to like. Be an accountant, you know. Um, But I'm not going to really change anything about what I do. And it's like even a song that doesn't earn me money could be a a way into what I do, you know. So I might not make money off that song, but um, they might end up looking up other songs because of that. So I'll, I'll be okay. And in general, a lot of people are anti Spotify and get mad about it, but. I, I'm I personally subscribe to Spotify. Me I've too. discovered tons tons of great music from it, and um, they've even like put me on some of, some of their um, you know curated playlists. Same so, yeah. here. Um, I'm I'm grateful to them. I've been discovered by tons of people because of them, and. Yeah, they pay way better than YouTube. I'll tell you that much. Like, oh, that <laughs> now we're getting into
2: some rough stuff there. Yeah. I
1: don't know why Spotify is always getting the hate when, meanwhile, like YouTube is. You see it's it. Like it's I like, didn't know
2: that number existed. Yeah, <laughs> I know.
1: Point zero 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 zero. You're just looking down. Oh so, God. So I think I'll be okay. And and I think just one thing that we have to remind ourselves is like the music industry is more open to indies right now than basically ever before. If it was 1982 or whatever, we'd be done, we'd have no chance, you know? We'd have to be chosen by a gatekeeper at a major label and hope that the guy who chose us doesn't switch labels in the middle of our uh, (laughs) contract with them and and so much would have to break so much out of our hands, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's like life is pretty good because our music is available everywhere, it still takes a lot of luck and a lot of perseverance for people to then listen to it, but it's like, hey, at least it's out there. At least I'm not selling yeah. tapes out of my, my, the trunk of my car, you know, so that, yeah. that, that's my stance.
3: Nate and I did that in 2006 or seven. We actually canvassed with CDs uh, in Brooklyn, and it was one of the most humiliating days <laughs> of my life.
1: <laughs> it's so embarrassing. It's so. Im- I've handed out CDs, and then the worst don't look in the garbage um, bins near where you <laughs> hand out CDs. That was the mistake I made because they were all in there and it had been raining. I couldn't even rescue them. They're all wet uh, and destroyed. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. There's been some misguided marketing over the years. Uh, and you're preaching to the choir with Thomas. Thomas and I talk about this all the time. Thomas is like Spotify's number one fan. So. You know he's right. <laughs> he's right there with you.
2: You can hate on him if you want. There's no denying their AI for suggesting new artists based on what you've listened to. Like they are in my brain yeah. with the those suggestions. Like I if you just like keep playing, yeah. I'm like, oh that and that artist. Oh I love this. How did they know? So they're providing sp- some service there. I know they're not the only game in town, but
1: yeah. And, and a lot, last thing, I, Frank, I make more money off Amazon too. <laughs> so that's oh, believe wow. it or not. Yeah, I and I think it's because of Alexa and kids asking Alexa weird stuff, you know? That's
3: so good.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, so. I,
3: I think of, speaking of in the brain, and I hope this doesn't come across as strange, but I, mm. I think of you, Matt, every so often. Like, oh, just yeah. as an idea, <laughs> I just think of you. You know, I'll be listening to, you know, some streaming thing, I'll be listening to a song, and I'll be like, and there's a guy who writes <laughs> this much music. And, yeah. and, I, and i i had a conversation with a friend recently who i was trying to i was showing your stuff to and this was uh, months ago it might have been after the last podcast that you did and and he was like it was the first time i was hearing it and he was like you know you have to be a skilled songwriter to do what this guy's doing and i was like yes because i Thank think you. some people would come to approach what you're doing and say like oh he just rattles it off yeah. but you can't because you have to have a unique voice in order to do that that's already compelling because I think if you tried to do it, it the normal songwriter tried to do it, I don't think it would be successful. I think you have a, you have to have a real voice in order to be able to come out with stuff that is listenable each time you do that and still engaging.
1: Thank you, uh, thank you very much. And I, uh, you know, I feel the same way. Um, and so it's like, yeah, and it does. It you know, people will be like, I could do that, and when I hear that, I'm just like, oh. You don't know how painful it is to like psych yourself up to write the Jonathan Poop song after you've just written the John Poop song but Jonathan wanted one and then you do another Jonathan Poop song because he spells it with an O instead of an A and and to to write a new melody for Jonathan Poop um three three in a row it it literally hurts um and so yeah um it it does but i've definitely built up a tolerance um and i think it's great songwriting exercise if i spend a week a weekend doing 50 name poop songs it means when i'm going to sit down and write you know a more serious song for one of my other bands i'm going to be that much better because of it
2: i feel like as i often say i i wish we could just interview our guest for the rest of the episode but i do have a topic i'm going to usher in today oh i
3: forgot yes
2: yeah back to the format <laughs> But uh, I hope it sparks some interesting discussion with okay. both of you today. So I'm talking about one of the most toxic yet influential figures in, uh, in modern pop music, Western pop music, and, and asking a big old what if, imagining sort of an alternate you know, timeline situation, revisionist history maybe. Uh, if I say music producer who's – Somebody you think of, either of you.
1: Phil Spector.
2: <laughs> okay. So there, point I mean, it's all dark and ominous when you're bringing it in, so it's got to be it's him. It's got to right? be him. Talking about old Phil. Beautiful uh, head
3: of hair that man had. My God.
2: I don't know about the style. It was, uh, it was voluminous. How, how are we on Phil Spector right out of the gate here, uh, both of you? Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, hey, what a sound, you know, unbelievable sound. Brian Wilson likes him. 2 for 2 right there. I mean, he had he had a great run. You know, since the 70s, I don't know what his creative output was like and 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 then in terms of his uh lifestyle choices uh not so great, but um but I mean, come on, like Be My Baby, right? So good. Yeah.
3: Iconic. It's tough. I mean, he's really it's like a pearl jam situation cuz his first his early period just so much better than everything else he did. And it's like how do you how do you top Be My Baby? It feels like it's his pinnacle.
2: Well, I'd argue his pinnacle might have been... And let Death me, of a Ladies Man? Well, we'll get to that. All right. You're Phil Spector. You're just so flush with cash. You're, you're king of the world. It's 1970. You're like the biggest band in the world, the Beatles' go-to producer by the time Let It Be comes around. And then you're working on All Things Must Pass, John Lennon slash Plastic Ono Band. Imagine... The Concert for Bangladesh, 1970, rolling into 1971. You're king of the world at that point, right? Those are some big but, old albums I just listed. Yeah, they're
3: huge, but I would argue, and I'm, I'm, I feel like Matt's going to disagree with me on this, I feel like he made all of the... I love all of those records, but I feel like he made them all a little bit worse.
1: <laughs>
3: oh, boy. You know what I mean?
1: No, I... I um. I prefer Phil Spector's Let It Be over wow. the Let It Be Naked Ooh. album, to tell you the truth. yeah. I knew we disagreed. As much, it. and I love Paul. I love Paul, and Paul obviously is constantly reminding people, like, the Phil Spector version is not what it should have been. <laughs> Can't let go. I, I prefer what Lennon said, and Lennon was like, we gave him a whole pile of garbage, and he turned it into a, an album. That's not a direct quote, but... um. And I agree. Like even the you know, like the strings on the long and winding road. I think they make it more interesting. I'm
2: totally with you on that take, except for the long and winding road. I much prefer the the naked version. But that that's like the only song I feel that way about. You just you get that electric piano. I don't really need the orchestra for that one. But nevertheless, all things must pass. It's, I mean, it is a take it or leave it sound, but I fucking, I want my wah-wah the way it is. With- oh,
3: sure. I think certain songs like that, right. But then you listen to Beware of Darkness or whatever, you could pair oh, it Oh, I love demo, that one too. And you're like, no. there's a lot on here. Nah. It does say something that all these guys in the aftermath, whether it's McCartney or Harrison or Leonard Cohen, say, you know, I really wish we would have done that differently. And they were sort of saying it as the records were coming out. That... Says something about his level of involvement and you know how he
1: was collaborating.
2: Mm, you can't always trust the artists and their opinion on what they release. They're they're too close to it.
1: Yeah, and I imagine the album. Imagine I I love the yeah. sound. The whole how the whole sound of that album just like exactly perfect in every way. So I think Phil was on top of his game. Right, you know into into the early seventies. I I you know. In terms, he did stuff with the Ramones, right? The late 70s? We're, we're going to get to that. Okay. So yeah.
2: I, I should say, yes. So he's, uh, he's top of his game, 70 going into 71. It falls off real fast. Uh, Matt, I know you said you weren't really as familiar with what he did or worked on, like, you know, after that point. The truth is really not much. Uh, small enough that I can pretty much cover it all uh, in my segment today. Mm. A look at the decline of this guy, you know, creatively speaking. Still, there's a quality to each of these things he, he worked on, the projects that he could get himself attached to. There's, there was still something here, and I would have loved an alternate world where, sure, he's still going to be a megalomaniacal scumbag, just classic, uh, you know, difficult figure, but if he just had a little more sanity, if he could have kept working, I would have loved to hear more artists... You know, have his his approach, his influence affect their sound, and it's you get so few examples. You know, just the w- the way things turned out, but they're they're kind of they're special in a in a way. You know, including of course the the, the <laughs> ill fated Leonard Cohen album, but uh, that's what I'd like to do. I love that record. I loved it. Oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I think it's I incredible. I know we talked about it yeah, the first yeah, day yeah. we ever uh, did a podcast together. We we covered death of the ladies man, but. um Yes, so what I would like to do today with both of you is is listen to the records he did work on, you know, post uh, the solo Beatles stuff, post hugely devastating car accident that he suffered in 74 and he got severe, you know, head trauma, blah, 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 which would go some of the way to explain why his his output went down. But otherwise, I mean, it's fascinating if if anybody listening wants to read up on the behind the scenes afterward, all these songs we're about to hear the, and the artists that worked on them, it was a fucking nightmare <laughs> coordinating with this Phil Spector guy. He was a total out of control alcoholic maniac and just nobody could, he, he was so toxic, nobody could fucking deal with him. By the time like the 80s came around, he didn't do shit. Anyway, hey, we'll, we'll get into it all later, but I'd, uh, I'd like to play you a selection from a Dion album that Phil Spector produced.
3: I know of this. I've not heard it.
2: Oh, you're in for a treat. I just, I had assumed that this was like one of your favorite things ever, but the Dion album, Born to Be With You. Is this familiar to to anybody?
1: What year was it?
2: Uh, It was recorded in 74 and then sort of like shelved for a year. came out 75.
1: I I can't wait to hear it because I have dug into some late Dion, but uh, I don't know any of the titles.
2: All right. Well, I want to share with you my favorite song from the album. Just a great all timer uh, I can't imagine the song sounding any other way. The production is perfect for it, despite Dion hating it you know, at the time of release. He thought it sounded like funeral music. Uh, he's not wrong. But
3: another, there's another dissatisfied yeah, customer.
2: I, uh, I want to listen to Only You Know. It's the name of the song. Co-written by Spectre and uh, Jerry Goffin, speaking of Maniacs, but uh, past uh, Carole King, collaborator husband a uh, troubled figure in, a, in his own way but uh this is a great great song here and we'll we'll see what both of you think
3: great and this is part of losing my opinion's 2024 uh human monsters series that we're <laughs> starting off strong, <laughs> covering Gigi Allen next week
2: oh boy only you know 1974 the album is uh, born to be with you here we go Either of you had heard that before, huh
1: I'd heard it before, yeah, and there's another song in that album um is it uh in your own your own backyard that I've heard a bunch of times oh uh, yeah, yeah, that one's funky yeah. yeah did uh did Phil do the whole album or just that song
2: phil somehow uh did the whole album it really was uh I guess he produced every song except New York City song. I don't yeah. remember that one, but he he pretty much got his his mitts on the whole thing.
1: So I like I like Your Own Backyard, and that's Phil doing what whatever he did for that one. This one, okay, for one thing, I mean that intro. <laughs> Let's get to the point here, guys. Do we need forty five <laughs> seconds of a uh, music? You know, before and it doesn't. Like, I not, do. You do. <laughs> Nothing that interesting's happened. It's basically like the music without the vocals. You know, there's like nothing else that interesting to me. And then one Mm. other problem, like one thing I find is like, like he developed the wall of sound for recording equipment that that they were using in the you know early mid '60s. Yeah, mono. Uh,
2: Yeah, and then it it, it feels
1: like some using the equipment from the mid '70s, something feels lost. You know. And it doesn't, it just, I don't know if it, he wanted to go in that direction or he just wasn't using the same stuff, but it just, you hear, I hear it a lot, you know, when people who had yeah. that great sound at one, in one era, and then it just doesn't translate to the next. And so he was
2: a one trick pony who didn't update his abilities. So I will give you that. Like he, if you're hiring Phil Spector, you're getting one specific sound, like one way of working.
1: And that all that all that being said though, yeah, it's a pretty good song. I mean, I love Dion, and uh, uh it, you know, cut out that intro, and I, I'd, I'd enjoy it even more. It's a it's a fine fine little song. And just last thing, uh, Dion is fantastic. He's got mm-hmm. this uh, version of "I Can't Help But Wonder Where I'm Bound" um, from the late '60s. Real good. All right, that's my two cents.
3: Dion's like he reminds me of, like Bobby Darin, where it's like. He's got a lot more to him than I think you, people typically think of. They listen to those early songs or whatever. It's like this is who that is, but there's so much more that happens in the '70s. That most like, of
2: his career, I think he did blues, Dion. Right? Yeah,
3: he's still he's still doing his thing. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with Matt. That that intro is like basically just like, hey, everyone, I'm Phil Spector. Do you remember <laughs> me? Uh, and I think the the thing that Matt was saying is interesting because it's like I don't want to compare what Phil Spector was doing in the '60s to like punk rock, but there's something that's blown out about the quality of what he did at that point, yes. where it's like, like, listen to Be My Baby, it's like, it's clipping all over the place, like, and it sounds like this this mess, but in a real, like, Rough and ready, punchy way, and I think if you recorded, um, I don't know, the Ramones on, like, incredibly pristine equipment and made them sound all glossy, like, it would lose its punch, so I think I, mm-hmm. I, when he's recording in the 70s with that higher level of equipment, it's like, you lose that messiness that is the wall of sound otherwise it's just separated shitload of instruments which is not the wall of sound
1: yeah blown out that's the key that term it really is like those songs totally sound blown out in, in the most wonderful way but still i dig
2: the song yeah i, I like sure the song. interesting takes here i'm gonna move on to my second example now uh the year 1977 comes along phil ain't done shit since the Dion album, his next project is Death of a Ladies Man by Leonard Cohen. Matt, I know you're a huge fan. Or Thin Lear, I know you're a, a huge fan I'm of a huge uh, fan. this album. We talked about it at length. Uh, Matt, I'm curious if you've uh, heard this one before. Never. It's going to be a lot of similarities it's sonically. A, it's a tough sell. It's a hard sell. It's a great like, album. I feel
3: I'm not guilty of it. I'm not, it's not a guilty pleasure, but it's not a record I put on at parties.
2: It's, it's a little twisted. This song is Iodine. This is, uh, Good choice. I think the cl- It's the clearest example of Spectre being Spectre and uh, pushing the equipment as far as it's going to go. Matt, I, d- I doubt you've heard anything thank like you for this. Not,
3: thank you for not choosing don't go home with your heart
2: that on That one's stupid. <laughs> uh, is it? <laughs> it? It is. Don't worry. I'd be curious, uh, since, uh, Mr. Farley, you're hearing this fresh, what you think. Because this is definitely taking things a step further, I would say production wise
3: you can see why you can you'll hear why Leonard Cohen hated it like it's pretty obvious
2: that's how a snare should sound right that's how a snare is supposed to sound yeah And that's a line for long ago. of the saxophones
3: listen to this whole record yeah know.
2: same but uh, we have some first impressions to, to listen to here
1: well it's uh, it, it was growing on me as I was listening you know um, I mean those drums in the beginning were a little distracting you know a little bit uh, and I, I definitely don't love the sound it, it, it reminds me of the, the songs I don't like from like mid 70s John Lennon' solo stuff. Just, it's hard to describe it's just it somewhere in new york city yeah a lot of the stuff, stuff on that album you know versus like uh like Nilsson. i feel like Nilsson in that era um uh, got it right more often than not for my mm. years but um nevertheless there's something um wonderfully bombastic about about the song you know and it's just funny leonard cohen too because like you know, uh, you think of him as being a little more somber. And so it's kind of fun to have him letting loose a little bit.
3: It's exactly how I feel. It's so stupidly incongruous having this <laughs> introverted man
1: <laughs> forced
3: into the position of like 50s crooner for yeah. some reason. And you hear him coming out of his shell a little bit. And I think that's probably why he was like a little bit uncomfortable in the aftermath he's like doing the you let me love you like it's not really his
2: thing when he did those vocal takes he didn't think that was going to get released he's like wait dude i was supposed to re-record right. all that and phil you know held him up at gunpoint and said "Get out!" <laughs> yeah here.
1: literally yeah. a lot of guns in a these of guns uh, making in up the stories sessions. yeah a lot probably. of bodyguards and also like i can hear that he, leonard's got a song waiting for the miracle from i think like the early 90s um and I, 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 honestly, I feel like um, he took a little something from the, from this in in the production of um, Waiting for a Miracle. So I think um, there w- there's positives about it.
2: On Wikipedia, it's Leonard Cohen was saying um, it's his daughter's favorite record of his. That's
3: funny. Nice. It sounds the least Leonard Cohen like, you know. And I love the I love the album because I love the songwriting on it. You know, you hear the songs underneath. Yeah, stuff. great
2: songs. They don't get yeah drowned out by the the cacophony of the instrumentation. Yeah, I would argue
3: it's a real for cult. Don't record. go home with your heart on. Yeah, that one. Yeah, and Allen Ginsberg uh, sings on that song, so that's that's fun.
2: I think Dylan too. All mm-hmm. All right, so we were a little more positive on that, um, Farley. I do think you would enjoy the whole album if you gave it a, a spin. It's definitely a curio, but it, it does grow on you over time, and like you're less and less distracted by the strangeness of it, and just. You get into it on, on its own merits. But uh, the pretty much last example we have of Phil Spector working on an album, um, sort of some qualifiers after that I can you know, just quickly explain. But the, pretty much the last project he ever meaningfully worked on was with the Ramones, famed punk band, the Ramones, uh, the album End of the Century.
3: I've heard a few songs off it many, many years ago. And it's for the reason I was drawn to it for the reasons I was initially drawn to death of a Ladies' man, which is like, this sounds like it'll be
1: insane. I have no experience with it. I barely, I mean, I know the Ramones just from the songs you would, you can't help but know, but I've, sure. I've never done any kind of dive in, into the Ramones and I'm not really uh, big on punk, but I, I'm excited to hear what you got for us.
2: Yeah. I, uh, I like their first album because the songs are so tight and it's such a weird sound, but, uh, yeah, when I think of the Ramones, I don't typically think of tons and tons of overdubs and huge uh, studio budgets and, you know, taking a year to record and, and all that stuff. Snare slapback. But uh, they paired up, and uh, we're going to check out Do You Remember Rock and Roll Radio, see how this uh, subverts our expectations here. <laughs> but this, this is basically the last album Phil Spector properly worked on. Uh, this came out in 1980. Again, the album is End of the Century. And this is Do You Remember Rock and Roll Radio?
0: I
3: knew it was going to start with a radio.
0: Oh, you gotta. This is Rock and Roll Radio. Come on, let's rock and roll with the remote.
2: comes through yeah, it's just,
3: I mean it's the remote but it's augmented in a really cool way.
2: Back
1: out to that one, oh yeah, I I loved it. That's 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 super fun. And um the radio stuff at the beginning. Anytime you do something like that, you know, like the flipping of the dial at sure. the beginning, it's you. You should think like people. Someone's going to listen to this several times, and they're not going to want to hear that more than once. I feel the same way about like little skits, you know, in between songs skits. on albums. Yeah. Like they just don't they don't last. They don't they don't stand up to repeat listings. But otherwise. Super, super fun, super catchy, dancing like crazy. Um, And it totally could have been a Beach Boys song from that same era. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
3: I think it works so well because it's like, those are the influences of the Ramones. And I think if you, you know, you don't have to listen that closely to hear that that's where they come from. So I think it's just like, it's kind of like going back home for them. And, And, you know, for someone who blows out, all of the music that he works on with a ton of stuff, like it was fairly tasteful what he put on there. I mean, there's still way more instrumentation than they are used to, but I don't think it was totally over the top. It was just like organ and sax. And I think that worked to kind of fill out their sound a little bit.
1: Yeah. I really, I enjoyed that. It fits the, it seems to fit the Ramones more naturally than um, Leonard Cohen. I would think. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I agree. It's like you're skeptical going in. And of course the band hated the experience of making, it was a nightmare for them. Yeah. For all the reasons that, uh, that then Lear mentioned, especially it, it works. It makes sense. And it's, it's fun. Like it's, it's one of my more favored, uh, things to listen to from, from the Ramones. But then he doesn't do anything the rest of his life, basically that's that's it and he was
1: only what 41 or 40 or 41 at that point i think he was born in 1939 you got it and he didn't do shit
2: and I, somehow he stayed rich i don't know what he how he kept all his money throughout the decades
1: well think of the 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 publishing royalties i mean he's got songwriter credit on a lot of those songs from the 60s that uh, just kept on playing you know and i
2: guess he wasn't too crazy to to lose it all you know they say a fool and his money are soon parted So you just, you never get anything from him again, really. The closest you get, fast forward into like mid-late 90s, he wanted to work with Celine Dion for her album Falling Into You, but fell out with her production team. Can't imagine why. Uh, His last, the last project that he had any meaningful uh, contribution to was, uh, the band was Star Sailor. Oh, I heard of that. The album "Silence Is Easy." They wanted to team up with him after Specter's daughter Nicole attended one of their concerts. Uh, again, the band Star Sailor, uh, and they got connected. But and he's he we he got to work on a couple of songs. But then, you know, I'm sure your imagination can fill in the gaps. Uh, the band parted ways with him and did not uh, finish doing the entire album with him as was originally intended. So. I listened to that. I don't think we have time to get into it here. You hear a little bit of, oh, there's a lot of piano, but it's you don't, it's not full-on Spectre the way that the last three songs we heard were. But that was it. We never got anything else because he everything he touched was poison. He was unhinged. Uh, and it's a shame. I, I guess I want to pose the question as we um, wind down my segment here. Is there any other artists you can think of that's like oh what what would it have been like if they teamed up with Phil Spector if they had had a shot would, like any any interesting examples we might be able to think of here
1: i don't have an example but i do have a, just a quick little comment about sure. um the phil spector sound and um even though it's of an era it 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 doesn't sound dated to me in a bad way it, it no. it's, like i listen to it and i say like Oh, I wish, <laughs> I wish the more songs sounded like this, especially the mid '60s sound. Yeah, and in comparatively speaking, like Jeff Lynn, uh, when he was producing everybody in the '80s, you know, like Traveling Wilburys and 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 and, and so on. Uh, George Harrison, like when I hear that, I'm just like, oh, Jeff, leave it alone, man. <laughs> just leave the song alone. What are you no, doing? You
3: some more twelve strings
1: on it. That's oh, what you need. Yeah, too we much. It's more four-part harmony. Too much, Jeff. Too with much. Phaser. Let it go, and and I, I don't, you know. Frankly, I'm like, yeah. Put another track on there, Phil. Why not? You know. So um, yeah. muddy it up I a little wanna... more. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's because it's like s- stuff like his, you know,
2: River Deep, Mountain High, or whatever example you want to pull from from Spectre's catalog. It's like it's of its time, but it like set the trend. It wasn't following a trend. It was like here's what's up. And then everybody else was kind of taking note. I don't know. I can always appreciate something like that.
3: I can see why the eighties crushed him because it's like, so everything's so clean and separated mm. and you can't really, you he, he can't do anything aesthetically in that realm uh, with a bunch of gated snares and you can't do the stuff that he loves. Mm. And in nineties too, I, I, don't, I don't hear him so much. You know where I hear him aesthetically come back is in the 2000s where you get people like Ariel Pink. Yeah. That that kind of Ariel Pink and and Panda Bear and like like those kind of animal collective kinds of things where it's like DIY versions of his aesthetic where it's everything in the kitchen sink but in your kitchen. Like that's that's where I hear his his uh his themes uh. come back and I think maybe if he were not a monster uh could have been able to fit in somewhere there ah. to collaborate with one of those folks you know even like like wise blood now you know you hear like some some of her work where it's just like so big and bombastic obviously much more tastefully re- restrained i think than if he were on it but um i hear i hear him in the 2000s like late 2000s indie scene i think he
1: could have come back there ooh yeah, absolutely. Ariel Pink, absolutely. You can hear that kind of sound right there. For a real.
2: similarly uh, difficult personality <laughs> there, so maybe they would have been a match made in yeah, hell. They would,
1: have, they would have gone along <laughs> great, yeah. And uh, what was the one other uh, great point I had? It was genius, and I lost it. Oh, well.
2: <laughs> Damn it. I hope mm. I didn't interrupt it. We'll, dr- we'll no. think of it
1: later. We'll drop it back in.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the magic of editing.
1: Oh, I got it. I got it. This is a case where... Um, the downside of success, and I say this as a person with with very you know very mild success, and how I justify it to myself is I say I'm still hungry, you know. Mm. Like Phil Spector at age forty, like what did he what what he definitely didn't have any financial motivation to like keep on pushing uh, pushing the envelope or keep on working with other artists, like. The money was just coming in, and frankly, the you know the respect. Like he could just turn on the radio at any point and probably hear a song that he produced, sure. even you know in the mid '80s and beyond. So a little bit of that fire has got to go away, and and that's got to be some portion of the explanation for why he didn't do much uh, from that point on. And so, um, so I I, th- I personally think I'm coming up with the, some of the best stuff I've ever done, and it's because I'm like I I really want to like prove it to, to the world, you know, despite the world's apathy about it. And so um for anyone out there who's who feels unsuccessful, you should be proud that you don't end up wasting decades like Phil Spector did. <laughs> that's a
3: good that's a good that's our next T shirt, I think. That I like it. Don't waste decades like Phil Spector.
2: <laughs> I thought earlier Going in, oh, maybe it would have been interesting to hear Queen pair up with Phil Spector, but I don't, they already, they're bombastic and Wagnerian enough. I don't think they would have needed him at all. But now that you're saying it, then Lear, Animal Collective around the time of Meriwether plus Phil Spector, that's the dream team we never got. I think that would be the most exciting example for me.
3: Yeah. Just like there's a fifth beetle. He's the fourth animal.
2: The fifth animal. Hey, don't, oh, don't write out Deacon or-
3: Oh, sorry. I thought there were three of them. Yeah, He's like the Zeppo.
2: Right, (laughs) That's a better uh, analogy uh. (laughs) So Matt Farley What have you been listening to this week?
0: Listen my opinion
1: Well I've been listening to The Vigilantes of Love um, Which is really just This one guy Bill Maloney Who um, He he became a solo artist uh, Probably about 20 plus years ago but it's kind of like Jonathan Richmond with the Modern Lovers, you know. Sometimes he's the Modern Lovers, sometimes he's Jonathan Richmond, but it's really just Jonathan Richmond all the time. And this guy, Bill Maloney, Vigilantes Love. Have you guys heard of this guy?
3: Never, never. Yeah. no. This is where we're coming in clean here.
1: Okay, and and that's the thing. And it's funny, like you read the comments on on videos, and everyone's like, "Why, why does nobody know this guy?" You know. And it, every, everyone has that same feeling. It's like these are really uh, really good songs and this guy should be bigger than he is. Uh, one of, you know there's not that much of him on online either. and like one mm. of the videos is he's doing a concert like in a library, you know <laughs> and and it's like you know it, se- it seems like he's making his living off of music. and frankly, what more do you need? Um, but just when you think of a songwriter that that you really love, y- you don't think that like he's barely making ends meet, mm. you know, mm. forty years into a career. But that seems to be the case. And I, I've bought a few of his records, uh, you know, you know, and he charges a pretty penny for them, like seventy five bucks for a double LP. But it's like, uh, I I, I want to help the guy out, you know, like can, where can I tip you? Um, and and the way I met I I. A coworker of mine, way back, told me that some of my stuff reminded me of Vigilantes of Love, and I was like, I, 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 "Who's that?" You know. And so he he burned me uh, an album called Jugular, and I just played it over and over again. Just really good, solid uh, acoustic Americana kind of rock. So he started out probably late '80s, early '90s. Oh, you know the, the story you hear. You know, signed with li- some labels, almost kind of blew up, but never kind of did. And then he's been pretty much independent for you know this century. Um, and I, I can't, I can't get enough of his stuff. So let's, uh, let's hear a little, little Solar System. This is a live version of Solar System.
2: Solar System.
1: I'm
3: fascinated to hear this. This yeah. is
1: live from the library. This is not actually live from the library, uh, but. Um, there is a, I wanted to give you the live from the library version but the audio was was pretty rough. <laughs> uh,
2: they had to keep it down for the other patrons. <laughs> and have you uh seen him live too? You ever gotten to meet him or?
1: No, no, he seems he's from I think he's from Georgia and now he's in New Mexico and I don't think he uh, I think any performance he does is more localized. He he's around 70 years old now. And um, I know he had some health issues, so I don't even know how much he's uh, he's performing. But I've sent him fan mail. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) That's nice. There's there's a lack of fan mail going around. You know,
3: I feel like we need to reinvest in. You get DMs. Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: I got the I got the record delivered, and it had the return address. And so I was just like, Bill, (laughs) I love your music. You're amazing, man. It's uh, it's good. Wow. I
2: do have people like that for myself where it's like I saw them perform, you know, in front of a handful of people maybe 10, 15 years ago, and I have their album and it's like it left a mark on me. Like it was really good and really yeah. special, but just lifestyle or luck or whatever. Like, you know, it's kind of, I'm the only person who's going to know about them practically.
1: And luck is the key. Luck is the key word. Seriously. It, it's, be, I feel like for every, ultra successful act, there's a thousand equally talented acts who just for any number of incredibly random reasons didn't didn't catch on and and then it snowballs, you know, where then you get the better recording studios, you have yeah. more time to work in your stuff, and so you're able to get even better and kinda like outrun the pack in, in for in many instances. But any anyone who's made it out there, I hope, uh, realizes um that they're very lucky.
2: All right, Bill, you pronounced it Maloney? Mal-
1: Maloney? Maloney, I believe it's, you would you look at it, you think Maloney, but I've heard it pronounced Maloney most of the time. So it's
2: spelled Bill, M-A-L-L-O-N-E-E. So the song is Solar System. Uh, yeah, let's check it out. Let's see what this guy's about. Here. Pretty great so far.
0: Come in here and have a taste What's one more hopeless case When your shortwave dies and there's no one to listen And the stars are going cold in your solar system Yeah, how is this not on the level of, like,
2: most Neil Young, at least, you know? Yeah,
0: she Neil
1: Young, Jeff Tweedy, you know? Jeff Tweedy,
2: for sure. This is really so enjoyable. The pianist he's playing with is, is really good, weird. too, that harmony vocal. Seems like she's playing bass with the left-handed, uh,
1: maybe a like keyboard yeah. split or
3: something. Oh, yeah, I keep yeah, hearing, like, like, an upright bass, but it's not there. I think that's a keyboard patch, yeah. Yeah, that's, like, um, just really... Lovely songwriting. I mean, it reminds me of um, this. This songwriter, uh, his name is Chris Smither, and you know he's just been doing his thing for like decades. And I think has some some following, but like should be more of a of a name, you know, in the ways that we think of. And I saw Adrian Lenker from Big Thief covering him the other day. I was like, oh, okay, now a bunch of and so sort of like you know it's a bunch of TikTok age kids being like, amazing song, Adrian. <laughs> you know, and it's like the the thing about it is somebody if it's great, really great songwriting, somebody is paying somebody's paying attention. It may not be the number of people that you would want, but like even if it's other songwriters like Matt, for you for you listening to this and being like, this touches my soul, it will make its way around the songwriting circles and come back out eventually in some fashion. I do believe that. You know, everything you said before about like you know the artists who have made it need to re- should recognize how lucky they are. I am one hundred percent with you there. And I think the songs themselves will will find their audience, but not necessarily through their maker. Mm. And I think songs like these, like this one, it's like what's the difference here between the level of quality between this and like Ben Gibbard or like or James Mercer of the early Shins, like like that kind of just a beautiful melody, beautiful guitar melody, beautiful vocal melody over the top of it, like. You know, this is something you'd hear in like late '90s, early 2000s that would just crush it. Yeah, it'd be on the Garden State soundtrack, and it wasn't for a million different reasons. But you're listening to it, and now we're listening to it, and I, there have to be other songwriters out there who are like recognizing that it's special. Or maybe that's naive.
1: I don't know. This could be. This, I think this podcast appearance could be the the moment break that, it moment. This it's is the, this like, is the catalyst. Yeah, like the Ed Sullivan Show moment for. Uh, <laughs> Bill Bill Maloney, but uh, but yeah, I I don't know, I get goosebumps. I I just I just love it. I think it's real solid, and, and it's just cool, you know. It's cool to know he, he's out there in New Mexico, and he, the guy has like 30, 40 albums at least. Oh you really? He just keeps on putting them out. He's active, very active on Bandcamp, and then just kind of selling his stuff otherwise. Yeah, probably I guess it's through Bandcamp too or his website. You can get physical stuff on top of that people who love them love them and um, mm. and <laughs> I'm one of them I can see why yeah the next one songwriter numb um, it seems maybe he maybe he kind of addresses his obscurity a little bit in this song um, again it's a long one so we don't have to hear all of it but th- this particular one like I I I think it was on Pandora this was way back I wanted to hear more of this guy's music so I, I typed his name in and you know pandora will give you like a station that isn't all him but has some of his stuff in it and then this is one of the ones that it played for me and uh and it was i I take a lot of walks like at night and so it's after dark i'm walking in the streets and then i hear this song and i'm just like oh my god this guy is amazing like and this is a studio recording and it's just uh i'm pretty sure it's just acoustic guitar and vocals and it's um it, it feels like like no effects even it seems maybe there are some but it's subtle enough that you can't even tell mm. so it's just very pure and even lyrically he's talks about just with words in a six string so uh, let's hear a little songwriter mm. numb
2: all right this is songwriter in parentheses numb from the album dear life 2004 <laughs>
0: Wish that I could change things, rearrange the pieces and bits, resistant though they are, the ones that fell right through the cracks, with the stuff left over from exploding stars, obvious from the back row, to everyone but me, it's always sad to see what you become when you're looking after number one. Yeah, and I wish that I could change things Testify to some deliverance Yeah, I talk show it right into the ground Like some salvation experience Yeah, I wish that I could change things Say some new words for all these feelings that I felt We all want to change things But can you change yourself? Yeah, I tried to make you like me with some words in a six-string, string Cause I wanted you to like me Well, some folks even spilled some ink And even when it got cold I hardly knew i died. I guess you go a little numb And then empty on the inside He's got a real knack
3: for coming up with really catchy Guitar melodies, you rarely or and then well, having a companion melody in the vocals that's the very different but works well with that melody. Kind of a that little that bit like John Prine, you know, where you hear like uh, where he starts his songs with this guitar melody, and it's it's you know, I wouldn't say it's simple, but it's like very it rings out, and then he has a vocal melody that comes along. It's it just complements it perfectly. He does that well.
0: Yeah,
1: good observation on both of those songs, and and. I don't know if he always does it, and that might be why those are some of my favorites, you know, because it's like, the more that's going on, the more it kind of activates your brain or something. Hey, can I hate to do this. Can we just hear, the, like, the next line is my favorite. Oh, no, let's can we do just, it, of course. Can
0: we just hear it? And the words you wish your head didn't say are the ones their hearts will hold on to the longest. Promises you All right,
1: that's the one. Yeah, that's a good one. The words you wish your head didn't say are the ones their hearts will hold on to the longest. That's a ah, oh, that's a heck of a good good line. But and it 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 go it counts for like creative acts too. Like I often find the uh the songs I'm most embarrassed by are the ones that make the biggest impact on people.
2: Oh. I uh, I'm really picking up a through line between this guy and uh, the last time you were on when you shared songs like too much Saturn, yeah. Just this, you really like mm. earnest, hard on your sleeve, like confessional, honest to a fault, like that. That seems to be your because this guy's really laying it out.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and also, but also wonderfully uh, melodic too and catchy. You know. Oh yeah, it, no, it's, no, a it's a balancing combo lines. of both yeah I've listened to a few podcasts where he's been interviewed and he's got you know a real thin Wikipedia page and whatnot um I only know so much about him but um but it, I know he's just got a cool vibe yeah. I, I i like I like this guy and and now um different vibe for this one. now this is interesting you know that line I said the words you wish you blah 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 the, the words you wish you didn't say are the ones they hold on to the longest. This song, little racy guys, a Uh-oh. little racy here. Uh oh, uh oh. This is called "Love Cocoon," okay, and it's a very unsubtle metaphor, okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> and and I noticed on the bandcamp on the album that I knew it from Jugular, it's not not one of the tracks on his bandcamp. I think he's removed it, Whoa. and um, and and it was on another like another version was on another album a few years later. That's not available through the band camp either, and i I do know like he was kind of in the Christian circuit, you know, uh in the early nineties, where like he wasn't by any means like a, a full-on Christian uh songwriter, but like he he definitely deals with uh biblical themes and whatnot, and so apparently this song didn't sit well mm. with that crowd. Just get ready for some controversy. Oh, this is called Love Cocoon. <laughs> okay. You're going to
3: get us in trouble here, Farley. Like, are we going to get demonetized? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's
1: very subtle. I'm, I'm, I'm
3: exaggerating. <laughs> I'm looking at his band camp, and it's like intimidating me, I have to say. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like a Mountain Goats thing where it's just like, how, where do I even begin?
1: Yeah.
2: All right. Well, this tune we're about to hear, Love Cocoon. So this is off of the album Slow Dark Train, 1997. And it looks like this is a Vigilantes of Love Release, maybe a, more of a band format here. I'm guessing.
0: Honey, I wanna attack your flesh with glad and I wanna look for your fruits. I wanna put my hands on the wall. Pump up the thermostat beneath your skin. I wanna uncover your swimming hole and dive right in. I <laughs> when I fly. up in your love.
2: Pretty radio ready too. It's not like this guy's stuff is rough around the edges or anything.
0: Yeah, that's, that's solid. Yeah. yeah, this is
1: more indicative of his '90s with the band, the sound that he had in the '90s with the band, and uh, it, it's good. And like you say, um, it's it's radio friendly um one negative maybe it's not as distinctive you know mm. like I feel like his voice comes through more in, in a uh, in an acoustic format sure. but um, and, and and in fact my favorite version of love cocoon is is the one that's just acoustic guitar and uh, accordion actually but uh, I had trouble uh, locating that one he's scrubbing it from the internet oh. <laughs> covering his tracks with that one
3: uh i i was gonna say i prefer yeah i do i do prefer uh i mean i've only heard one song now with him with a full band but i i like his stripped down style i think his uh the way he controls the pace of a song when it's just him and like one accompanist is like really special i
2: think i did like the the first song the most overall still yeah the uh, Mm -hmm. solar system
1: yeah, I agree. I just I thought we needed a little uh, b- boost things up and have have a couple of laughs there. It's funny, also, like you you almost feel as if he's like he's like knowing his audience. He's like, I gotta mention the wedding band wrapped around. Yeah, my yeah, yeah, yeah. He so kept, everything's
3: <laughs> fine, guys. It's all right. It's okay.
1: This is all within the confines of a of a of a, of a loving marriage. I just <laughs> want you all to know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's great.
1: And I think that was his wife, by the way, playing the piano and singing with him.
2: Ah, That's great. Yeah, she's talented. Did he write back to your fan mail? That's what I want to know. Did you get a, a reply? No.
1: No but, no, but it was a, I mean, I sent him a physical postcard, you know, so it's not like replying to an email. Uh, um, so, no. The only thing he's ever sent me are records after I paid him for them. <laughs> Alright, that's a that's a bit
3: like a response with music.
1: Yeah. We're we're involved in a conversation. Okay. Yeah, same with same with me and Jandek. you know? Uh I, I send Jan Deck a lot of fan mail and uh once I paid for something along with fan mail and he's so he wrote back, he sent me what I bought from him and he wrote thanks. So I was excited right. about that. Yeah. Uh, anyone ever talk Jandek on this show? I don't know what no, that is.
3: save it for your next appearance because i have only heard the name
1: oh wow okay yeah yeah and i have talked with sheila who performs with Jandek, and and she's real cool and i've talked with a few another musician pj who uh who played a show with Jandek. but uh all right well, was yeah let's let's book it all right right? whenever you know whenever i'm due back on the show we're we're gonna talk Jandek. you're very in tune with like
3: unheralded songwriting and lo-fi world and diy world from like a, a, a really specific era i feel like you are encyclopedic yeah. with that <laughs> you're not well sure i that. just
1: i you know i see myself i see myself in it you know and right. like uh and i'm like yeah this is i mean these people are speaking to me oh i can't wait to talk jandek with you guys <laughs> yeah. I mean, it it just yeah
3: Okay, get ready. And we don't talk enough about stuff we like on this podcast, I think. So it's good that we have these every so often.
2: palate cleansers? Yeah. <laughs> well, it comes to uh, the point in the show where I want to talk Matt Farley. Uh, it's, it's time to plug. What do you, you want to let the people know about?
1: Okay, March 9th, Orlando, Florida. Matt Farley and uh, the Moturn Manly Band are going to be performing at the American Legion Hall. That's right, folks. We rented out an American Legion Hall in Orlando. Now, why, you might (laughs) ask? And the reason is... (laughs) Because
2: you're in Massachusetts, if I remember correctly.
1: Yes, because I live, uh, you know, a thousand miles away or whatever. My drummer, Froggy, he lives in Orlando. And so he flies up every time we do a show. he, He flies up and spends the weekend so we can drum and um and I was like, "You know what, Froggy? We're going to come to you this time." And so so he's our 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 guy down in Orlando. He booked the uh American Legion. Oh, and it's so great booking American Legions to do shows. It's just so fun dealing with with the people who barely even want to be bothered <laughs> to to take our money, you know? It's so <laughs> hilarious. Um I love doing a venue like that cuz like they just don't care. They're like, yeah, here's the key. Okay, <laughs> leave me alone. You know, like I've done other shows with like people like who were like all worried and whatnot and making sure I was following the rules. Not that my shows are wild by any means, but it's like I can't be held back by stuff <laughs> like that. So yeah, oct- uh, no, March ninth. Please, if you live anywhere within 500 miles of Orlando, you're basically required to attend uh, this show, and it's free. Yeah. It's a free show. We just want to rock out orlando march 9th and then um binghamton new york in may that's where the guitarist lives
3: that's where nate and i oh, are you close to Binghamton? Uh, met we went to college in binghamton and that's where we used to listen that's where we discovered you that's where oh, we started listening no. to you I and mean, it was I circle. think yeah there were a, a, a bunch of people up there that did listen to you uh and others like of, of that era who were sort of um you know under the radar and left of center and People that we really dug. So there there is a cool music scene up there.
1: Cool. Well I hope they come to the American Legion Hall in Binghamton on May eighteenth. So uh come to either one of those shows. I could go out we could do another two hours on other projects, but uh that's enough. <laughs> uh Thin Lear, it's the end of January.
2: You got anything you want people to know about? January twenty sixth.
3: I have a show at Sanctuary. Jan- New well Jersey. it's it's
2: sorry, it's January thirty first, so that's in the past.
3: Oh. Well, I hope you enjoyed my show on January 26th at Sanctuary, New Jersey.
2: Fair enough. I got a music video, animated music video, coming out from my latest single, Beware the Cowboy. That's going to be dropping on February 9th. Nice. Matt Farley, thank you so much for coming on.
3: Oh, always, yeah.
2: You're a legend. So happy to have you here. I uh, just want to also remind the folks at home, if you haven't done so already, go ahead and subscribe so you never miss a future episode of the podcast here. You can also follow Losing My Opinion on Instagram, TikTok, or... X. X.
3: Yeah, that's what it's all about, folks. Uh, Matt, yeah, what a, what a generous, gracious guest you always are. Uh, it's so lovely to, to talk with you, and I do hope you'll come back and talk about Jandek. Though, Jandek. We'll forget by the time you come on, so it'll be a surprise.
1: It'll be a surprise, and um, oh, I'm, I am pumped to talk Jandek, and, uh, and I'm proud. I, I, I'm probably the only uh, person to go from being the topic of an episode to being um, a member of the, a guest <laughs> on an episode, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Next one's 100%. McCartney, but we thought we'd, we'd start with you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I came on today here, and I went ahead and said, Phil Spector and Animal Collective, the dream team that never was. What a shame. And I could be wrong now.
0: But I don't
3: think so. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I think that's, I think you're pretty close there, Randy Newman. Uh, And I'll say uh, so long, suckers. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. And we'll
1: see you next week. Losing my opinion. My favorite podcast. I quite enjoy listening to Thomas and Matt. It's the show that I love the most It's kind of like Joe Rogan But with much more alpha hosts Losing my opinion is number one on my list They're always doubling down on their hatred of kids Talking all about new wave bands But only the ones that come from Japan It's the show I love Two hosts and a guest that you've never heard of Talking about music that is equally obscure oh yeah that is what the people prefer and that's why we listen